0: Welcome to Gun Lawyers. I'm Attorney Evan Knappin. What I want to talk about is I want to tell you some some an interesting story. You see, I've been practicing gun law for well over thirty years. And I've represented all kinds of folks, every every uh type of gun situation, and I've practiced in the toughest gun control state in the country, which is New Jersey. And in doing so, uh, a lot of times my experiences have even given me pause for reflection and thinking about how bad the system is and what it does to people. But what I want to tell you about today is without a doubt one of the most scariest situations I was ever in as a Person practicing gun law as gun lawyer, and here's how it went down. You see, I'm I'm fully immersed in our wonderful gun culture. I'm um, a collector. I'm a uh, shooter. I uh, I hunt. I do everything that involves firearms you can legally do, and uh, really have a passion for gun collecting. And I'm proud to say that I've. Uh, life member one of the largest gun collector organizations on the east coast and um, they have great gun shows and i've been going to gun shows since uh since i was 17 if any of you know the uh forks of the delaware weapons association what's affectionately known as the allentown show that's been a show that i've been going to since i couldn't drive well i've made friends and acquaintances there from the allentown show Met top-notch collectors and folks that really know their stuff and it's really great experience and if you ever get a chance to go to the Allentown Show by all means go. But um, one of the folks that I knew well from the Allentown Show who was a uh, collector and also a dealer and very knowledgeable one of the most knowledgeable guys in terms of historic firearms. Well he had a FFL in a gun store down in the south. But he resided and originally came from New Jersey in the north during the uh summer months and such. He would be up in Jersey. And he had a very nice house on the shore, a large house near the ocean. And he had his personal firearms there. And when he'd close up down south, he would bring his inventory with him and he would secure it in his home in Jersey. He didn't want to leave it just sitting there unattended, but he didn't deal in firearms in New Jersey. It was strictly his dealer in, in the Southern uh, Carolinas where he had his, his shop and all that he enjoyed. So he's in his, home and he has his firearms all his personal collection and guns that he has secured from his business and one day I'm driving and I get a call from his wife and his wife says listen just um, the state police are here and they're raiding the house and she's very upset and my buddy Dave he's very upset and you need to Need to come and, uh, and 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 come over here because we don't know what to do, and I said no problem. So I immediately went to the house where they were, and upon going in there, I saw there was half a dozen state police and they were taking his firearms out of the house. And I'm like, what's going on? And apparently, they for some reason believed that he was acting as an unlicensed New Jersey dealer, which he was not, okay? And we later were able to show this. It was not the case at all. But it didn't matter. Somehow they got this bad information and ended up raiding and seizing his guns. Now, you see, Dave was a really interesting guy because not only was he a collector and a historian, but he also was a veteran of the Korean War. And he was formerly a tank commander in the Korean War and he fought in the battle near Yallow River and you know, he's known as one of the chosen, frozen chosen, whatever they call him, and he was there, been there, done that, and he was a very uh uh experienced guy when it comes to that. And so Dave was also a fierce patriot and believer in in America and, and our rights. So uh, when I got there, I ran into his wife and I said, okay, I see the state police are doing this. They had the papers, they had the warrant, they had what they were doing. And I said, okay, where's where's Dave? And she goes, well, I don't see him. I think he maybe he's upstairs. And upstairs was his office where he had his private office up there and a number of his personal firearms and other things. And I said, okay, I'll go up there and I'll see what, is going on i can talk to dave more about the police just taking all his guns out to the van and loading them up and taking everything and uh he hadn't been arrested yet because this was the search warrant part and uh i get up there and i get up to the third floor and as i'm about to knock on his office door dave opens the door and comes out of his office and he is holding his M1 Garand rifle. He is locked and loaded. He's got his bandoliers with the eight round on block clips all loaded up. Everything's ready to go. And he is going down the stairs to fight for his rights. And I grabbed him. I said, Dave, what are you doing? He said, Evan, I can't take this. I can't stand this. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put up with it, and and I stopped him right there, and I said, and he's holding that Garand, and he's ready to go down, and I'm like, Dave knows how to handle a Garand real well, using it to save his life in Korea many times, and he is very skilled, and even though he's an older guy, they don't have a chance down there because with thirty oh six 6 military ball, there is no vest that they're, if anyone, even wearing a vest that are going to contain the round that's coming out of that Garand rifle. And I grab Dave and I say, Dave, no, no, listen, listen, don't do this. Please don't do this. I said, what's important here is not your guns, but you. And think about your wife and think about that. If you do this, they're going to end up killing you too. Your wife could get injured. And I said, the bottom line is, we can fight them in the system, and we'll get your guns back. We'll get this resolved. Please, Dave, don't do this. And he was dead set. I mean, he was ready to do it. No, this was no idle threat. This was that moment. And he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and we're either going to have a whole bunch of dead New Jersey State troopers and a whole mess go down, or it was gonna end right there. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he just uh, hands me the Garand. And I immediately open the action, get the ammo out and uh, tell him that it's gonna be okay, which it will be. And we're able to even give that Garand to the police as they were confiscating guns and they never knew those police never knew how close they came to an absolute mess going down. And um, afterwards, you know, you're you very thankful, Dave and all, and we were able to get everything resolved and get everything returned, and uh, it did work out. So what is the lessons here? The lesson here is, couple things number one is as much as this is extremely upsetting and it's very it's very emotional when if you're ever the target of a raid and have your personal possessions seized from you you need to remember that we do have a system that can work and with the right proper counsel with the proper representation and using the system as it's designed you can succeed in getting your firearms back, your gun rights back, and I've done that many, many, many times throughout my entire career. I can't even count how many times. So don't lose hope, and don't fall to a desperate situation that will make things worse for so many others, including yourself. Now, all that being said, I think many times that the anti-gunners have no clue as to the emotional investment that gun owners have in their guns and in their rights. And things now are not looking good because if the Democrats push their gun control schemes to basically eliminate the Second Amendment, they have no clue what they're dealing with. They just don't. They don't understand the emotional tie and the dedication that we have to our rights and how easily these things can go South very quickly. It's, it, it's, it's just going to create unbelievable danger to both law enforcement and otherwise law abiding citizens. It's as foolish as foolish can be. And so I hope that we don't see it, but keep in mind part of Joe Biden's platform, which includes all the gun bans and everything else is a, relinquishment program to ensure that gun owners on the guns that they're banning and outlawing and all are forced into relinquishment, which means this very thing coming to take your guns. And, uh, I think it's a very dangerous and deadly situation and you never hear the antis even consider that aspect. And, uh, But we need to. So you need to think ahead and realize that we still have a system we can fight within and do it within the law and not end up threatening ones we love or others. So beware, because gun seizures are going to be more and more an issue. So when we come back, I want to talk to you about an important issue in guns called... uh, mental health disqualifier where they treat mental health as a crime
1: for over 30 years attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people that's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners a fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice and freedom an unrelenting gun rights spokesman, tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal, You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Nappen. available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer, I am
0: a lawyer. Hey, we're back here on Gun Lawyer, and I really appreciate having the opportunity to speak to you. And, a matter of fact, if you get a chance, please tell your friends to listen to the Gun Lawyer podcast and uh, we can get our message out to more and more folks so we can protect our rights and save our guns. So don't forget to subscribe and to rate our program as we try to make it grow, because you know how we have to deal with big tech, and they're not exactly our friends, so we want to stay in good graces there and keep the show going. So I appreciate all your help. A high, Any kind of high review you can give us makes it get higher and proves our standing and gets more and more of the message out to protect our gun rights. So please, please do that. Well, I want to talk to you about mental health. And you see, as I'm sure most of you know, possession of a firearm by a felon is prohibited under federal law and states have state laws and This is an issue, but everyone seems to know, you know, felon in possession, you got a problem, and you're barred. Well, what a lot of folks don't necessarily realize is how mental health can also make you the equivalent of a convicted felon. If you've ever been committed to an institution, and uh, even though you've been cured or recovered, doesn't matter. You now have a disqualifier that under federal law makes you the equivalent of a convicted felon and you're barred and banned from gun possession, even though you may be completely fine and healthy and no longer have those mental health issues. And this mental health commitment bar, which is in the federal law, states like New Jersey, particularly, they go even further. And it's it's really amazing and scary how much further New Jersey goes. And this is the kind of thing that we're going to see happening federally as the, particularly the anti-gun Democrats push it. And they use states like New Jersey as the uh, petri dish, so to speak, to to test these things and then make them into federal laws. So, In New Jersey, the the problem we have with the mental health commitment being a prohibitor is even a voluntary commitment. If you checked yourself in because you wanted to get help, that becomes a New Jersey statutory disqualifier. And what we've seen as well in New Jersey is there's no distinction, by the way, between juvenile mental health and between adult mental health commitments so if your parents when you were literally 8 years old cuz i've had this case put you in a f- mental health facility for whatever reason and lots of times we, i've seen it you know any many many people who were kids when the parents were just unable to assert their parental control properly because really it's often the parents that had the problem not the kid but they put them in the institution to solve their problem right that's a mental health commitment same as if you were committed as an adult to the mental institution and of course it's an involuntary commitment because you were committed by your parents and they created a now a disqualifier on you, both federal and state, often. And to top it off, you see, mental health is a tough issue when it comes to guns. Because many times, and most of the time, the particularly the so-called mass shootings, they are most of the time somebody who has a mental problem. Okay, And many times they're even documented with their mental health issues. And when you look at the Virginia Tech atrocity that occurred, we had a mental health issue and person using the firearm to kill others, and it's an atrocity. And by the way, these are atrocities, not tragedies. Tragedy somehow implies that we're to blame—that you know it was a tragedy we caused. No, no, an atrocity is what it is. There are atrocities any time you have these horrible killings that take place but in response to the Virginia Tech killing the federal government passed what well, was the 2007 NICS Improvement Act and under the NICS Improvement Act it set out to encourage states to put the mental health records into the, the Nix system because they didn't have a lot of these mental health records in And the feds offered millions of dollars, millions, to the states if they would put the data into the NICS database. And New Jersey, for one, never never willing to pass up any money that the feds offer, immediately seized upon it and put in 57,000 juvenile mental health records. 57,000 juvenile records. And in addition to the monies, there was a little rider, a little catch that uh, NRA at least uh, was able to get through. And that is that if you wanted the money, you had to put the data in, but also you had to establish a mental health expungement in your state so that you could at least expunge and get rid of your mental health record if you could meet the qualifications to get it expunged. So once you get a state expungement of your mental health records, then it's no longer a federal or state disqualifier. So that became is a good thing to keep in mind. But so many people don't realize that their commitment is a problem and in Jersey even a voluntary commitment. And so many people didn't know about the juvenile records. And I've had many, many cases where you know, because they're treating mental health as a crime, which itself is outrageous, I've had people that have bought and owned guns and had gun licenses and been doing it for years, and then they go to buy a new gun and they get denied on a NICS check. And they're like, why am I denied? I've always been approved. I didn't do anything. What? And they suddenly realize that their record, when they were eight years old, because their parents put them in, a mental health facility, because the parents were bad at parenting. Didn't matter. They're now a prohibited person, the equivalent of a felon. They have falsified their 4473 form so they can be prosecuted for lying on the form where it asked if you had a mental health commitment. Then any guns they possess, well, they're the same as felon in possession, so they can have their home raided and their guns taken, and they can be charged with being a prohibited person in possession, and the whole thing snowballs into a hell for that person over mental health, my friends, mental health. If you in New Jersey even see a psychiatrist or a doctor about any mental health condition, You are asked on the Jersey licensing form about that. And you have to say what psychological, any treatment, any evaluation, whatever it is, you've got to write. And then when you write that you've, you know, got depressed after your father died and you had to talk to a psychiatrist and and, and even put you on some meds for a while and then you were fine, doesn't matter. Now you're going to have to get medical report or letter or proofs that you are not a danger simply because you saw a doctor not even get a commitment that's how extreme it is and of course in the process of this there is no medical privacy in new jersey that's a joke doesn't exist and you're forced to have to reveal what should be private medical records and treatment. Oh, but New Jersey's fine with it because it's simple, it's real simple. They'll say if you don't want to reveal it, then you don't want a gun. But if you want a gun, you got to reveal it. That's all. It's fair, right? Huh. And so they intrude on our privacy, intrude on our medical privacy, create disqualifiers and hurdles and burdens so that we can't exercise our rights. They make mental health a crime which has the effect of discouraging people from getting the mental health. Because if you're a gun person and you know this because you've heard the horror stories and even if you would love to get mental health treatment, you know you can't do it because they'll take away your gun rights. They'll now become a licensing disqualifier. You'll now face confiscations and seizures and you know, requisition and all this, you know, what was uh, the Germans called, the, you know, the uh, appropriation, right? They would take your property. So this is really a problem. And it snowballs and becomes more and more of an issue. And what did you do to cause it? All you did was try to get help. And so the idea is it discourages it. And then now, now let's just say you, you've seen a doctor or you had some minor treatment or you had some voluntary commitment and it's, everything's all good now. You're 100% fine, but you got to provide the proofs. And those proofs mean a doctor or psychiatrist has to write the report that you're recovered and okay and you need that to even get the mental health expungement you need that to overcome the gun disqualifier and guess what doctors don't want to write that you know why they don't want to write it because they're afraid of the liability that the medical establishment of course is anti-gun and pushes an anti-gun agenda and they want to run it through you know, your health insurance as well, and make you know, you know, you have a gun. Why does your doctor ask you to have a gun? Why is that a health issue, right? But they do, and so this is all part of it, and you try to get that guy, that anti-gun guy, or maybe he's pro-gun, but still, he doesn't want to put his name on the line saying you're okay for guns, because on the off chance that you do something stupid, He's afraid he's going to be blamed. And then he's going to end up having to have his malpractice insurance and everything up, you know, just a bad situation. So good luck finding the doctor that's willing to say you're okay for guns. So this is a compounding problem. And it all initiates because you sought help. Think of what our system is doing here. Our system is creating a discouragement to seeking mental help. Yet at the same time, they'll have public service ads. You know, if you feel depressed, seek help. You know, you see it all the time. Get help. Don't be afraid. Don't, it's not a stigma. Blah, 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 All the good stuff to get help and get, which is all fine. You should be helped. If you need help, you should get the help. I agree. But the consequences of it are now costing you your constitutional rights, your property, subjecting you to criminal sanction. It is a disgusting sin what the government has done regarding that interplay between mental health and guns. And it is creating the opposite effect, and it needs to be addressed, and it needs to be changed So that mental health is not treated like a crime. That it doesn't have these consequences that end up causing people not to get the help they may need and then having this entire world of smelly stuff come down on their head. Because that's what happens, folks. And I've seen it over and over again. And it's really a problem. And it is a problem that's getting worse. And the anti-gun folks want to make this even more. And now they've piled on red flag, you know, extreme risk protection orders into the mix that are readily getting abused. They put in duty to warn where if you even have any issue with a firearm with a doctor, they have to tell the police about it, that you have it. They're forced to betray your medical privacy. I mean, the list goes on and on, creating the opposite effect and endangering our rights and the folks that need to get the help. It's an absurdity. But keep it in mind, and if you know anybody that has a a problem, that they have a commitment, at least the one thing is it's a possibility to get their rights restored. And that's the thing to do, to take advantage of a mental health expungement if it's offered by your state. Not all states even offer it, by the way. So, for example, in contrast, even though New Jersey is so outrageous about it, they do have the ability to get an expungement. But compared to other states, for example, like New Hampshire, New Hampshire does not have a mental health expungement. So if you had a mental health commitment in New Hampshire, you're done. You're a prohibited person with no way to even get your rights restored even though you are now fine. And I've had clients that 30 years ago had an issue, and it was a temporary mental health issue then. But because they had the commitment, they can't get an expungement, they're burned out of their gun rights with no way to get their rights back. For what? Because they had a medical issue? Like I said, they turned them into criminals. So beware of this. And if you're able to get the relief, take advantage and get that relief. Get your rights restored. And uh, just beware of the consequences that can flow from a mental health record. Well, my friends, I appreciate you uh, listening. Keep a fellow gun owner from becoming a law-abiding criminal please tell them to listen to the Gun Lawyer podcast and visit our website at gun.lawyer. Till next time, this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens.